Hello and welcome to Wine Blast. Uh, and in this episode, we want to take you on a journey to a delightful corner of France that you may have heard of, but may not know that much about. And yet, it's well worth getting to know. Yeah, welcome. Uh, and here are a couple of quotes to whet your appetite for the journey ahead. It's like a cartoon. But this is how I see it. And when we blend it together, for me, it's a play. In each bottle, it's a play. <laughs> I love truffle and we have some truffle trees, so I eat truffle since I'm born. <laughs> the white wine is better with truffle than the red wine. Um, maybe old wine is a little bit oaky, like truffle. So from truffles to theatre in a bottle, uh, our destination is Ventoux in the south of France, uh, and that was Nathalie Bonhomme of Domaine du Tix and Karine Aymar of Domaine Aymar there. Uh, we'll be hearing a bit more from both of them later on. And Vontu is a name some people will already know, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's quite a well-known um, because of the huge mountain of the same name, Mont Ventoux, uh, which is not only much photographed, it's also <laughs> regularly features on the Tour de France cycling race, uh, which we are, of course, both very familiar with. <laughs> not uh, but <laughs> it's, 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 it is something apparently of a mecca for cyclists the world over as a result maybe the highest concentration of lycra anywhere in the world <laughs> what a thought yeah that's quite a thought actually stop me in my tracks uh but hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's not our main focus in this episode do you want to talk quite about right. lycra quite right. no 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 lycra <laughs> was used or harmed in the making of this program plenty of <laughs> Bottles have been gobbled up, though. Yes. Um, quick, quick shift there. Yeah, yeah, nice, uh, and on nice. the subject of bottles and general research, uh, we should thank the AOC Ventu for sponsoring this episode and sending you, Mr Richards, out on a whistle-stop tour of the region, mm. tasting many a wine along the way. Which explains the lack of cycling, or well, partly. I'm not sure it does. Well, it's my excuse. That's what I'm hanging mm. on to. Anyway, mm. just yeah. wondering now if, if, if warm lycra could be a tasting note, you know. But let's let's not oh. go. Let's not go. Anyway, oh, no. uh, so 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 no. was a subject in a region that had intrigued us, though, wasn't it? Um, yeah. We we realised we didn't actually know that much about it, but but the little we had heard or tasted, you know, has been intriguing. Yeah. Um, you know, people talking about a quality revolution in the region, describing it as the most dynamic region in the Rhone, um, the mountain freshness, giving the wines lift and elegance and personality, you know, and an advantage given global heating in the warm south of France. So, so the brilliant Rhone expert, Matt Wools, uh, even described Vontu as the Swartland of the Rhone, you know, making a comparison with South Africa, which all of which you know, is mm. intriguing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and even though we had tasted a fair few Vontu wines in our time, which tended to be pretty serious stuff, not to mention good value, mm. it still had somehow managed to fly under our radar, hadn't it? Yeah, totally. So so I think this episode is all about diving in together to find out more, you know, to meet the people, get a feel for the place, um, hopefully give you a sense of the wines and, and why Vontu is, is worthy of your time and attention. Can we start with the truffles? <laughs> I know it's about wine, but but you know I adore truffles just as much as you. Mm. Uh, so my ears definitely pricked up at the, yeah. at the mention. Yeah, yeah, no, actually, of those. That, 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 that is a good place to start because I feel I've got to get something off my chest. I feel I need to uh, publicly apologise to you live on air <laughs> again. Uh, again, <laughs> again, it's a regular occurrence oh, yes. isn't it, this time. Um, because you know, not only did I luck out by getting to mm. go on this trip rather than you this time, but you, you do you have to believe me. 
I was absolutely not aware beforehand that this region is the truffle capital of France. Mm. Is, am I being, is that, is that, um, am I being sincere? Is that... I'll believe you. <laughs> mm. um, thank you. I need you to believe you on this. It, it, it's true. It's true. It's true. I can't say it without smiling. It probably is true, actually, because I, it's the kind of thing you wouldn't know. I did not know. But it was, it was one of the first things I was told that I was like, oh, no, Susie's going <laughs> to kill me. She's going to um, kill me. Yeah, the, the Vaucluse region is apparently the biggest producer of truffles in France. You know, I would it's, not have known no, that. No, it specialises in, in, in black truffles, Melanosporum, you know, with ancient truffle markets in the area. What are they called? Uh, Melanosporum. Mel- Mel- I don't know if I'm pronouncing that. that right, but it's a specific kind mm. of of truffle. Um, and there is, yeah, these ancient truffle markets there. I suppose, I suppose it makes sense because it's just over the border from Piedmont and North Italy in that sort of area. But anyway, that's true. You know, true yeah. and, and and you know, of course, this did also mean I had to endure. Mm. Many a a truffle stuffed meal. Do you have to? My Do you have to? Uh, but I, the only thing I will say is I did have the most indulgent plate of truffle pasta ever. Oh. Um, for which I need to thank Serge of Chez Serge in Carpentras, which which is a really good tip if you're a truffle fan. Okay, so, uh, listen, I'm going to stop you there. Stop, <laughs> stop, stop, because I'm not just green with envy, but but also because you have started to touch on geography here, um, and I'm already mm, yeah, okay. feeling. In need of not only truffles, but some context <laughs> to set the scene. Um, yeah. you know, so let's start with where we are in France. You've mm. mentioned Vaucluse, but how does Ventoux fit into that? Good point. Okay, deep breath. So, so we're in the southeast of France. Um, Ventoux is between Lyon and Marseille, uh, towards the bottom of the Rhone Valley, but, but, but towards the east where the mountains start to rise, you know, I guess towards what are ultimately the Alps. Uh, you know, in wine terms, it's a short distance east of Chateauneuf-du-Pape uh, and to the north of Provence. And so where does Vaucluse come into this? Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so it's difficult, isn't it? Ventoux, Vaucluse can be, can be confusing. So mm. Vaucluse is the wider political region, the department, the département, um, and Ventoux sits within that. Okay. okay. And, and Vaucluse is itself a smaller part of the bigger political uh, region, region, which is Provence-Alpes-Côte d'Azur. That's the very big, big uh, political boundaries. And, and Ventoux is funny because it's part of the Rhone Valley, but it also sits apart. So, so in much of the Rhone, you know, you can call your wine Côte de Rhone, but not in Ventoux. Hmm. Um, there, your wine either has to be AOC appellation Ventoux, or it's declassified into IGP Vaucluse. So those are the two sort of labels you see on the, okay. on the wines quite often. But Vaucluse is a bigger area than just Ventoux. You know, it's a wider region, both politically and in, and in winemaking terms. Okay, so I think I've just about got, just about got that. <laughs> okay, right. um, but Ventoux itself is a big appellation, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the biggest in France. It, it covers 5,700 hectares across quite a big surface area. So, you know, there are big variations in soil, climate, you know, terroir, as, as you might say. But I think essentially it helps to think of it uh, as a wine region in the foothills of mountains. So, mm. you know, apparently when it was first formed, the appellation was called Mont Ventoux et les Monts du, du Vaucluse or some such. So, Ooh, you know, a bit more complicated. Uh, that recognised the effects of mountains. So, you know, even if the vineyards weren't all at altitude or on slopes, the mountains still influence the climate and hence the wines. So that's why it all makes sense. So obviously we want to find out what the effect on the wines is. Mm. But first... Didn't you actually go to the top of Mont Ventoux when you were there? I did. 
you know, I bravely set forth, uh, fueled by truffles, on on an epic, <laughs> hugely arduous slog to over nineteen hundred meters in altitude. I mean, this was I Tennyson. Th- this was you know, Tensing. Mm. Um, uh, I, I think you took the car, didn't you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did. you're going to say because you didn't have did. time to, no. to, to well, climb the mountain. Well, but you uh, know, I, I did put a picture mm. up on social media of me at the top of Mont Blanc, you know, and I swiftly, swiftly lost the respect of every single cyclist in the wine world, you know, because cars are very much seen as as the lazy route up, yeah, uh, and they enough. annoy all the cyclists. But that was me, yeah. Um, but there are, you know, the cyclists. There are hundreds of them slogging their way up. And whizzing their way down Mont Blanc too. It's quite a sight. Um, mm. You know, and I have to say, I have to say, go on record, I have huge respect for this monumental achievement. Because even going up my car, you're exhausted. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I am going to say, I had a plane to catch. You know, I had a plane to catch. Yeah. So, you know, mm. that's my mm. line. Excuse. Yeah. Excuses, excuses. <laughs> Sorry, but, you know. Anyway, go on. Describe yeah. when you got there what it was like at the summit. Yeah, it was, it was brilliant, actually. Quite an experience. Uh, the, 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 when you get right to the top, it's totally barren, rock strewn. It's like the surface of the moon. Um, so you feel like you're in another world. It's, it's absolutely stunning. So I did actually do a bit of recording while I was up there. And here's a snippet. So I'm standing at the top of Mont Ventoux. It's pretty windy, as you can hear, although I found it quite a sheltered spot. It's pretty chilly as well, nearly 2,000 metres altitude. You have panoramic, breathtaking views over the, the Rhone Valley, the Alps, all the countryside around. And standing up here, you get a sense of why the wines of Vontu taste like they do, why they have a, a sense of freshness to them, of energy and vitality. It's, it's the influence of this huge mountain, cool air descending, the winds it generates. So this mountain looms large, both literally and figuratively, over Vontu. It influences so many, so many things in the region, but particularly the taste of the wines. And now I think I'm going to go back down because it's pretty chilly up here. The sacrifices you make on behalf of Wine Blast, even risking <laughs> hypothermia while mountaineering. So selfless, so brave. Yeah, I, I, mm. I very much appreciate your entirely mm. genuine sympathy <laughs> there. Uh, to be fair, though, I think I was tasting delicious wine in a cosy restaurant within about five minutes of, of that recording, so I can't, I can't complain. I thought that that might be the case, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so you've got this fam- famous mountain and mm. other mountains in the region, yeah. and you talk about freshness in the wines. So just explain... Explain how that all works. Yeah, so well, it's partly an issue of elevation. So, you know, this is a warm part of the world, but the higher you go, you know, the lower the average temperatures, of course. So that's part of it. But it's not the whole picture, really, um, you know, as the growers explain it, because what the mountains do is they generate winds, you know, in, in, including cooling air descending at night, which gives this sort of marked diurnal te- temperature flux, but uh, sort of temperature differences between the day and the night time. Um, and that affects the wines in many ways. You know, it enables the grapes to retain freshness of flavour and acidity, of course. It also sort of imbues the wine with a sort of concentration and an intensity. As sort of, if you're going to sum it up, a sense of sort of energy and, and, and vitality, um, which is quite distinctive in the context of the Southern Rhone. And, and that not only goes for the reds, which is the majority of production here. We're talking about fundamentally a red wine region. But it also goes for the whites and the, and the rosés, of course. What is the split of production, just out, just out of interest? Oh, yeah, okay. So, well, just across the region, it's just over half red. And then I think about 38% rosé and 8% white. So it's mainly red with a chunk of rosé, but then a small amount of white. But, you know, just on the subject of the mountain, 
Uh, here's David Quinones from the Marinon Cooperative. That mountain brings a lot of differences in, in the wines and it allows us to make great wines in terms of balance, in terms of structure, in terms of fruitiness, uh, things that might not be possible if the mountain wasn't there. Mm. So I look at it every day from my window and it's it's great. But in terms of wines, it's especially in that time, in that period of time where it's complicated with the with the heat and the, the warming of the climate and the change in the climate, uh, having those this mountain and those vineyards around it and up in the hills is just for us a great thing to have. So that gives you freshness in the wines. Yes, definitely. Something that is very, very important now, especially in reds, mm. uh, whites and rosé as well. It's true that we need to have some freshness in any any wines, but the region produces mostly red wines and we need to have that freshness. Yeah. And that mountain, that region allows us to have that. So that's great. So this Mountain freshness is definitely a recurring theme from the producers. Mm. But in terms of the wines, we're not talking lean, acidic, cool climate styles, are we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, it's all relative, isn't it? So, yeah, absolutely. This is a warm area. It's warm climate viticulture. So uh, Grenache Noir, Grenache, is the dominant variety for reds, and Grenache Blanc for whites. Um, you know, and these varieties need heat. Um, and, and so, you know, these are, by and large, full-bodied, warm climate wines. Um, but the point is, they often come with this sort of freshness and vibrancy in that mix, you know, maybe slightly lower alcohols as well, and, and more sort of savoury herbal tones. Um, and that's the product of this quite special climatic influence. Now, so on the subject of, of climate, David did mention climate change there. Mm. Um, I guess this is particularly relevant to Vontu, given the climate is warming up alarmingly in some of the hotter wine regions of mm. the world, mm. the south of France included. Yeah. And producers are looking for ways to to adapt or, or mitigate the heat. Yeah, yeah. Climate change was a big topic of, of discussion while I was there. I mean, I, as it is everywhere in the wine world, as as, as you know. Um, and it's, it's a tricky one. You know, on one level, global warming has actually helped Vontu, because before the grapes, as far as I understand it, didn't always ripen perfectly because of this sort of altitude and mountain influence. So the wines weren't always the most convincing. Um, now, that's less of a problem. Um, and as other areas heat up, Vontu has this cooling influence to protect or sort of insulate it slightly from global warming. You know, David described Vontu as, as a wine for the next century, hmm. which I thought was quite a nice sort of phrase. And partly because of the styles they're making, but also because, you know, it's in a good position vis-a-vis -vis climate change. But but climate change isn't just about linear heating, is yeah. it? You know, yeah. it's also about unpredictable extreme weather events mm. and that can affect anyone anywhere mm. um, and tipping points being breached. I mean, have, haven't they been doing studies in the region about this? Yeah, yeah. And, and they accept the need, you know, that they need to act and, and adapt to this um, because, you know, they're still vulnerable to rising temperatures, to, to, to frosts and rains at the wrong time of the year, as you're saying. You know, biodiversity loss as well, you throw in there. Uh, one producer called climate change an existential threat. 
Um, another described it as frightening. So, you know, you do tend to find most producers, at least those I came across, you know, are very conscious of this and, and the need to act and, and, and be sustainable. And what are they, um, what kind of things are they doing? Well, I mean, first and foremost, they've been putting their heads together, which is the first step, isn't it? Um, and, and good. It sounds simple, but actually, you know, in France, mm. uh, sometimes you don't get people acting together and, 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 and seeing the bigger picture. But the AOC has, has been very proactive in commissioning studies. You know, a couple of producers are, are trialling a bottle return and reuse scheme. You know, other producers like Domaine de Pair are, are lightweighting bottles to reduce carbon emissions. You know, lots of producers are organic. Um, they're also looking at alternative grape varieties and, and, and ways of farming them. Okay, so, so, so you know. interesting. But I'm just mm. going to stop you there again because um, you mentioned grape varieties, about alternative grape varieties, and we haven't really explored the, the classic or traditional grape varieties mm. from the region yeah. and the styles okay. of wine they make. So should we talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and I should add, we've got a couple of glasses here on the go, haven't we? Which we will, have indeed. Which we will probably mm. come on to mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, but classic examples of, of, of Ventoux wines... Uh, because that's what this is all about, isn't it? The wines, you know, the liquids in our glasses. I couldn't agree more. Mm. Uh, so coming up, we dive into the wines of Ventoux and hear from producers about the wines, the food and the excitement that Ventoux can offer. By way of a brief recap, Ventoux is an intriguing corner of the Rhone Valley where the mountains give the wines freshness and an advantage in an ever-warming climate. They're also a magnet for cycling fans and it's an ideal landscape for truffle production. Um, As for the wines specifically, you tasted a fair few in your research for this episode didn't you and you know noble self-sacrifice mm. how can i phrase it in any other way uh, yeah you know job, a, 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 a lot of wines have been tasted to make this episode uh, including uh, a mammoth 80 wine blind tasting that was my welcome to the region so mm. i was i was working hard on wow. this uh, but actually it was hugely informative um in terms of a sort of current snapshot of quality and diversity across Ventoux, whites, reds and, and rosés. Um, and then, of course, there were lots of tastings with the producers and, and, and since, but yeah. And, and what were your overall conclusions about the wines and the grape varieties? Okay, so let's start with the whites, um, the smallest category in the region, you know, only 8% of overall output. The main varieties being Grenache Gris, Clairette, Roussin and Viognier. Um, they tend to be... Lowish acidity, fairly fleshy, uh, but still with that sense of energy and tension, often actually from a slightly sort of pithy phenolic character rather than from acidity per se. You know, generally with some warming spice from the alcohol. Um, you know, there are a fair amount of ordinary ones which are a bit simple, but the best ones are sort of rich and perfumed, often with a touch of oak or lees or age. You know, those sort of things really work mm. well here when they're done well. You know, we tried a delicious 2017 Grenache Blanc Roussin blend, I think it was, from Domaine Venture, which is oak aged, matured for six years in bottle before release. Absolutely delightful. And what about the rosés? Okay, so I think at this point I'd like to bring um, David Kinones back in. Uh, I asked him if the rosés from Ventoux are similar to those of their winemaking neighbour, Provence. No, it will be a bit different. Uh, first, because the grapes that will be used here are a little bit different than the grapes that will be used in the, Ventoux, in the, in the Provence area. Um, and the style is going to be a little bit more structured, with rosé that will have a little bit more fruitiness to it. Uh, the, the, the Provence rosé, the, the style is widely known, it's very pale, fresh uh, fruits and, and a lot of acidity and, and, and kind of easy tastes. 
when it comes to the Vantu, the, the style has, has evolved, of course, uh, with, with time, but you always find a little bit more extraction, a little bit more flavor, uh, a little bit more structure mm. in those rosé. So those are rosé that you can actually enjoy for a lot of things. You, you're not only going for the rosé piscine. Sorry for that. <laughs> that. <laughs> but, but, but you're swimming pool rose. the swimming for rosé. <laughs> you, you, you're not only going for that. You, 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 obviously you, you will have some like that, but you will also have some rosé that you will easily enjoy for aperitif and then rosé that you will easily enjoy with some roasted chicken or um, or some like sushi for example i i, lo- I love mm-hmm. rosé with sushi and uh, and the rosés from the from the region they they're great for that so yeah versatile that would be the word <laughs> Swimming pool rosé. <laughs> Slightly damning. Uh, but rosé and sushi, I can definitely get on board with that. Um, yeah. Do you agree with David's summary? Yeah, I, I mean, he knows more than me. But, you know, in a way, I think, I think you know, as across the piece of the ones I tried, quality in, in Vontu rosé is variable. Uh, there, are some, there are some pretty simple rosés from Vontu, of course. Um, but the best ones are definitely ambitious. And, and with real substance. You know, the one that blew me away uh, was the Chateau Pesquier uh, Quintessence, Quintessence Rosé 2021, mainly Mourvedre, interestingly, with Sanso and Claret. Um, it was stunning. It, it's complex, it's serious, it's, le- it's, it's young. I mean, it's incredible. It's a sign, it's a, for me, it's a sign of what can be achieved here in Rosé. So, Claire, um, so Claret, though, that's white in with the red varieties. Mm. Do they blend white with red here in, in their Rosé? Actually, they do a bit, yeah, apparently. It's, it's, it's allowed, I, I, I believe, you know, here to, to chuck in some white grapes in with the reds to, to make Rosé. Mm. So, Interesting. Okay, little, yeah. little... But, but, but generally speaking, mm. do you think Rosé has good potential here? I really, really do. Um, I get the feeling that producers want to grow their white wine production. But you know what? I would say rosé is the way forward. You know, rosé is, is a growing category, category globally, isn't it? We've talked yeah. about it on the pod. Yeah, it's, it's really popular. It's very popular, yeah. Uh, and that's a rare category in wine. You know, and in Ventoux, they have the grapes and the terroir and the know-how to make serious rosés that are a bit more, I don't know, a bit more complex and mm. ambitious than what might be termed your stereotypical Provencal style. So it's sort really... of a counterpoint to the yeah. Provence rose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I, and, and, you know, I think there's a real opportunity for them to create a point of difference here, uh, you know, and major on that mountain freshness and character and substance in their rosé wine. You know, it's already over a third of production, so it's kind of waiting to happen. And what about the reds? Um, because, I mean, that is the majority of production here, isn't it? Yeah, reds make up 54% of total output, according to the official stats. Um, they're quite varied in style and quality. Some are pretty modest and, 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 and frankly, forgettable. Uh, the better ones are generous, you know, generosity to them and supple, often with a bit of warming spice on the finish, a bit like the whites, but with lovely sort of aromatic vibrancy and perfume, often a sort of savoury, almost meaty complexity. You know, they, they, they all tend to have... a a freshness and grounding acidity, as you said. These, these are not jammy, sweet monsters. You know, only the best wines age well, but when they do, they can be stunning. Like Claude de Trias, Vieille Vigne 2015 or Red Label 2016. Uh, Domaine Le Chancel, Le Récit Rouge is really good. Or Chêne Bleu, uh, Le Abelard mm. is, is mm, quite well, special name, in terms yeah, of aging. Yeah. Yeah, so. And, so, and so the styles and the grape varieties? Mm. Well, there's a range of styles in Vontu Reds, and that's quite key. You know, part of this is down to individual producers, and their vineyards or terroirs, but part of that is the mix of grapes that they use. So all 
Vontu wines, by law, have to be blends. Um, really? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> They have to be. Yeah, they have to be blends. They of can't at least be two varietal. varietal. No, you can't have a hundred percent single varietal AOC Vontu wine. Interesting. I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, to, to qualify for the appellation, you have the wines, whites, reds, and rosé, mm. have to contain at least two grape varieties, which I think is a bit bonkers because <laughs> I think you can make single varieties that, that, that are great. But anyway, yeah, it's probably a bit I mean, of a historic hangover. Yeah. And I suppose it's a USP of sorts. You know, some regions so, yeah. are, uh, are varietal and some aren't. But mm. here you have to blend. You know, so in practice for the reds, this means they'll either tend to be dominated by Grenache or by Syrah. Those are the two big mm. dogs here. Um, Grenache will tend to give you that rounder, richer, suppler style. Syrah will tend to give a darker wine, more peppery and edgy and sort of black-fruited. But within that that sort of matrix... Any combinational ratio is possible. And you've also got other grapes in there, like Sanso and Carignan and Morvedra that can come into the mix too. So, so Vontu reds tend to be rich but grounded in nature, often mm. with a bit of peppery, savoury complexity, mm. but they can vary in style depending on the blend that's used. Yeah, that's it. Mm. Um, you know, Grenache tends to dominate. It's by far the most planted red. It has, you know, 55% of planting. So that will tend to be the bigger partner in, in most wines. But, you know, Syrah is next with 28% of plantings. But, you know, there's a fair variation in style all around, I think is the best way to say it. You mm. know, the best Grenache is, is succulent, but, but structured and savoury. The best Syrah is sort of wild and peppery and meaty and, and floral. It's kind of, you know, it's echoes of the Northern Rome, but it's not. It's a different context. Yeah. A bit fuller Richer, bodied yeah. and a bit sort of oh, wild, a bit more rustic. Um, you know, one producer described Grenache as the heart and soul of Vontu Reds with Syrah, the flavouring spice. Mm. That's, a, that's a nice way to see it. And actually, you know, these are the kind of wines that work well with food. So you know, it's, a good, it's a good analogy, that one. And, and it's interesting, I think, with, with Grenache, isn't it, how much it can vary according to where it's grown, how it's made, how it's mm. blended. Mm. It, it is mm. a fascinating variety, mm. and particularly in places like southern France, but also Spain, the US, Australia. Yeah, well, you're a Grenache expert after your <laughs> seminar, aren't you? And I think we might come back we to this. We might come but, back you know, to Grenache, um, yeah. You know, yeah. it's funny you should mention Spain because because one of the producers I talked to, uh, Nathalie Bonhomme, uh, Domaine du Tix in, in Vontu, uh, also makes wine in Spain, um, as well as elsewhere, actually. She's a kind of multi-talented French-Canadian. Uh, but I asked her to talk about Grenache from Vontu and what makes it special. I mean, for me, the Grenache is one of my favourite. Um, and it's my favorite here and in Spain for the same reason. It's like kind of uh, funny. It's like happy. <laughs> this is a, for me is is the festive cepage, uh, the festive uh, grape varietal of uh, maybe because it's Spain because we associate Spain with a lot of fiesta. Mm. But so here I find it. She's got a job to do. You know, hey, I'm in Rhone. <laughs> I have to perform. I've got to. I've got. I've got to compare, you know, I'm co-planted with the Syrah. So my friend, the Syrah is like really, uh, is really serious. I better, I better behave. So, so all this, this is, I, I play it in my head, but. <laughs> I like this. This is like a carnival happening in your head. It's like a cartoon. A different personality. <laughs> but this is how I see it. And when we blend it together, of course, it's, um, this is when you see the personality. And of course, we know our wines more, you know, we, we see them age and we see one is taking over the others and for me it's a play in each bottle is a play 
a play in a bottle. <laughs> that is such a lovely way of seeing yeah. it, with the different characters of the Grenache and Syrah and changing over time mm, too. Mm, mm, yeah, and it's a shifting picture in the region as well when it comes to varieties. Um, you know, so I visited James King at Chateau Unan, uh, Unang. Uh, he's originally from Scotland, but he bought a beautiful Ventoux estate in, in 2001. Uh, he told me he'd originally come here for the Grenache um, because, you know, as he said, you can get that freshness in the region to balance its natural richness. But he's increasingly struggling with the very high alcohol levels that Grenache is giving, um, he told me. So, so now he's planting Sasso. Uh, and the great surprise, in his words, has been how well it can not only blend with Grenache, but also stand on its own. Um, I asked him why. Because it's got freshness and elegance um, and can cope with, um, can cope with the ever-warming uh, situation and climate that, that we have. You know, the changes that I've seen in the 20 years I've been here have been nuts. And uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the evolution is not going to be uh, linear from here, but I think it's, it is imaginable that it's going to get yet warmer. And so, you know, we're you know, varieties that uh, have worked well in um, North Africa. You know, that, there's a lot in their favour. Describe to me, as if it were a tasting note, the perfect Vontu Sanso. In a glass, I've yet to have it. The the the, the colour is just bringing huge vibrancy, uh, and then on the palate, it's it's you know it is fizzing, not in the bubbly sense, but the, the, there's so much uh, uh, light lighter weight excitement, but intensity. It can have it can have intensity under the right conditions, and that's what you want. Everyone knows that it can be elegant and soft and supple, or that. But it needs to have that that um, something to grip your attention as well. You mentioned the word joy when we were tasting earlier. Well, I mean, if, you know, if it brings that, then everyone's a winner. Sanzo, of course, was a variety planted very widely by the French in mm. North Africa. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So you'd been tasting his Sanso. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah, he makes a Sanso uh, that's so beautifully bright and juicy and fun, um, with some, but, but with some real substance too. And he described it as joyful when we, when we tasted it together. But, you know, this was a recurrent theme, you know, in my chats and tastings, a lot of love for Sanso. And I think this could be a star of the future in Vontu. Mm, you know. We heard it here first. There we go. Uh, you know, it, it, the accent in the region is on freshness and fun anyway, isn't it? So it sort of ties in. I, I, I was seriously impressed with the Sansos that I tried um, and Sanso blends as well. One of those was, was Les Grap 2022 by Domaine Emar. Uh, and I asked Karine Emar about grape varieties too. We use uh, Grenache, Syrah, Mourvedre, Sanso. And I really like Sanso. The grapes are beautiful and, uh, and taste very good. And I like the the senso. It's very we have a lot of complexity in the in the senso. Yeah, it's like the south of France for the wine, but in the same time you don't really know where you are because it's very fresh. Do so you have a freshness to the wines? Yeah, yeah, and because I think the the berries are bigger than Grenache or Mourvet, so we have more juice, and so because of the climate change, it is a very interesting grape varieties. Hasn't Sanso tended to be used historically for rosé? Absolutely. In the region. Yeah, in Vontu and beyond. But, you know, I, th- I think producers are realising its potential for reds as well. Mm. Um, and, and there are some pretty old Sanso vines around. Um, so Domaine de, de Fondreche have 50-year-old Sanso vines that used to be used for rosé, now going into reds too. Uh, I asked 
Simon Kupi or Shupi from Fondrash. Why? Oh, because it brings a finesse, lower alcohol content, um, maybe more juice in the wine, and kind of a little fruit, very pure, uh, very elegant. It will bring maybe more balanced, of course, more acidity into the wine, uh, so more freshness, and that's what we need for the future. So do you, do you think it's fair to say you're re-evaluating Sanso? In that context. We are, we are. Uh, you know, at, at the beginning, we were just using Senso as a table grape. Uh, we were not using uh, Senso as a grape for wine <laughs> producing, I mean. Uh, and after years and years, we, we, we start to using Senso more and more in the blend and maybe in the future as one of the most important grape, yeah. Uh, but still <laughs> don't avoid that Grenache and Syrah is still the queen and king of the, the southern king and queen so it's really a question of balancing history with evolution yeah of course and, and there are other exciting things like Mourvedre which actually Fondresh uh, use a lot winemaker Sebastien Vicente calls it his salt and pepper his Mourvedre uh, mm. and it can be really good you know very savoury with lovely firm tannins very fine tannins also Carignan can add tang and grip to wines uh, as well. Uh, so Domaine Les Chancel are doing really well with that. They've even started a, a Carignan Solera there. And you so mentioned actually, and you mentioned that um, producers in the region are looking at other varieties uh, as a hedge against climate change too. Yeah, yeah, well remembered. Uh, it's early days, but I think they realise they need to get ahead of this. Um, so they're looking at great varieties from elsewhere, but to be honest, they've been quite tight-lipped about what those are hmm. for the moment. I tried. I tried asking. <laughs> well, French. Know, what's next thing here? Uh, I couldn't possibly uh, tell you. you know, but, uh, but they're also re-evaluating grapes like Sanso and Carignan, which are historic in the region, but they've never really been centre stage. Um, but they could play, you know, a greater role in the future, bringing maybe freshness and other qualities. And maybe there are others in due course that will, that will emerge as well. But, um. Okay, so, so we've got a sense of the wines mm. and we've heard from a few, few producers, but what would you say about the people? Mm. It's interesting. Uh, so historically, Ventoux was, was a land of cooperative wine sellers making, you know, without being too pretty bog standard, slightly faceless plonk for, for, for a lot of its time. But, you know, what's happened since the 1990s is that people have cottoned on to the potential here and also to the fact that land is, is way cheaper than in, in the more famous parts of the Rhone. So one producer I talked to cited 40,000 euros per hectare in Ventoux versus four to 500,000 euros per hectare in Chateauneuf-du-Pape, wow. which is quite an interesting that comparison. That is quite a difference. <laughs> God, no wonder people have come to Ventoux. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've already heard from James King at Chateauneuf, who's Scottish. Uh, we've also heard from Natalie Bonhomme at Tix, who's French-Canadian. There's, there's um, even Baki at Claude Trias making sensational, mind-bending wines. Uh, he's Norwegian-American. You know, and there are plenty of examples of producers who've come in from other regions of France too. So lots of sort of outsiders here. And so what does all that mean, you know, particularly for the wine? Well, you know, I didn't know. I, I picked up on this. And so I asked a few people about it. And here's what André Tremblay, Tremblay uh, Nathalie Bonhomme's partner in Domaine de Tix, also a French-Canadian, had to say when I asked him about the fact they like to play around and, and experiment with their wines. Yeah, I think it's where we come from. Uh, wine have been made in the same way for thousands of years in several regions. And people are reluctant to change anything in the way they will you know, move to the next uh, year. It's always the same thing. Uh, we are small. We are uh, coming from another world. And we like to experiment. 
And this is the idea. The idea is to experience uh, something else, forgetting about what's been done for thousands of years. It was probably very, very good and very sound, but why don't we try something else? And that's the idea. That's the uh, I was risky part of uh, being a non-native uh, yeah, and being able to experience something else. That's really interesting. And just to raise a broader point, it does seem like there are a lot of winemakers, wine producers in the Ventoux who've come from elsewhere. Yeah. Do you, is that something that you sort of notice and you think is, is beneficial for the wines as a whole, as a region? I think so too. I think so because it brings, you know, it brings a lot of uh, experience, a lot of knowledge from outside. And when you make wine, you don't make it like I said earlier. We just don't make it. we 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 drink our wine, of course, but we make it for everybody else. You know, you just don't want to to keep it in your in your share. And it just brings. You're right. There's a lot of all our friends. A lot of them are foreigners. Mm. Yeah. And what we bring too is not only uh, how to make wine. It's the taste of other markets. Uh, we bring the taste of uh, Quebec. We bring the taste of New York. Uh, because we've been there, we've been visiting these places and so on and so forth. We bring some taste of California. So when we come here, we look at it with a view of trying to create a wine that would please these places too. Not only please, you know, uh, Northern Europe or Western Europe. So what are they experimenting with, just mm. out of interest? Yeah, so the things like doing a Grenache fermented with the stems of the grapes to give more sort of tannin, freshness and an aromatic complexity. Nat- Natalie calls this giving the wine a punch, which I quite like. Uh, also using sort of small clay jars, picking their Viognier vineyards three times, uh, underripe, ripe and slightly overripe for complexity, just sort of playing around, seeing what works. It, you know, it's essentially being open-minded. And this was a point that came up quite often, you know, the fact that because many producers in Vontu are younger or from elsewhere or, or farm not just wine but other crops too, they're not so precious really. And, that, and that's a good thing for the region. So, so here's James King again. Uh, I think it's a huge help. Uh, part of that is because it's just a large appellation. Uh, the costs of entry are limited uh, compared to others. So there's easier access. And when I'm talking about people from outside the area, I'm I mean, uh, I include you know, people from other areas of France as well who are coming here and doing their thing and, and, uh, and yeah, bringing fresh ideas and you know, that everyone can benefit from that. Uh, and uh, so that's, uh, that's a huge positive, huge plus. What is it about Vontu that attracts people from outside? And, you know, why is a Scottish man ended up in, in Vontu? Well, you know, on your tour around, you can see that it's, it's a delightful place to be. Uh, it has interest on multiple levels throughout the year. You know, the seasonal changes are, are immense, but just you know, go to a market, look at the produce. You know, I, from my Scottish background, I can go to a fruit and veg shop in Scotland and just leave depressed. Whereas, whereas here, it, it's just an, an abundance, and and you still have you know that strong seasonal element, which um, you know we should all try and embrace. Sounds like my kind of place. <laughs> yeah, it is. The food is amazing. You know, as I said, Vontu has historically been not just wine, but, but sort of polyculture. It's got an AOC for table grapes, uh, an IGP for cherries. This is when you know the French are taking things really seriously when they give things like appellation. <laughs> IGP. Um, it grows olives, apricots, lettuce, truffles, as we said. Truffles, um, truffles, yeah. truffles, you know, truffles. I, 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 you know, wandering around the vineyards, I, I remember picking and eating a pomegranate off the tree and, oh. and watching the beehives in, in action in the Chenbleu vineyard, you know. Oh. I mean, you talk about areas of, of natural beauty. You know, this is 
undoubtedly one. Uh, most mm. of the region is made up of two protected national parks with UNESCO backing you know, and a huge diversity of flora and fauna, including apparently um, 1,400 species of butterflies. Oh, a great place to live. Then. Yeah, no, it's second what home. lots of people said. Second home, second career. Um, Are you proposing maybe. that proposal? <laughs> Don't know. Okay, so anyway, I'm <laughs> feeling the need to somehow join the action. Okay. And we've got a few wines to taste here before we, we wrap things yeah. up, haven't we? Mm. So first up, we've got the Remy Ferbras Ventu 2020, yeah. 9.99 at Waitrose, so mm. under a tenner. And this this is benchmark everyday Ventu, isn't it? Mm. It's rich, warm, uh, mm. plummy, um, you know, fragrance, supple generous but also dry and savoury I'd say good for hearty wintry food uh, it looks quite classy decent mm, label yeah. uh, and a really like I say really fair price yeah it looks really good um, then we've actually chosen to stick to one producer who not only I really like but also to keep things simple and so we've got three wines from Chateau Pesquier in, in a way to demonstrate the main styles of red blends in Ventoux so first up is the Terrasse Rouge 2021 it's 60% Grenache 40% Syrah so it's, we've got a dominant Grenache here so exactly. a bit more Grenache than but quite a lot of syrup. Yeah. It's unoaked. And you get this really fresh sort of peppery aromatics. And it's generous on the palate, but with fine tannins. Again, it's not the most complex, uh, but it's lots of wine here and only just over a tenner. It's £11.50. So really good value again. And, and looks good too. Mark. Looks good too. So, yeah. And stepping up a bit in, in terms of price and quality, mm. I've got the mm. Chateau Pesquier Artemia mm. 2020. Um, mm. Now, this one is mm. mainly syrup. So about 80% mm. Syrah with 20% Grenache. Um, it's one of their highest altitude vineyards. It is aged in oak. Mm. And this is a lovely expression of Southern Rhone Syrah, I would yeah, say. You know, yeah, it's obviously yeah, not all really Syrah, is. but it is that Southern Rhone style of <sighs> Syrah. It's smoky, peppery, mm. meaty. There's some fine tannin. Uh, there's a plumpness in the palate, but a lovely savoury finish. I really like this oh, wine. That's gorgeous. Really yeah. like and, it. And finally, to make the contrast, I've got the Chateau Pesquier Silica 2021. This is 90% Grenache, so real Grenache based here, with 10% Sanso, as we've been discussing. Love this wine. It's really heady aromatics and then a sort of supple, seamless palette with very fine mouth coating tannins. Really hard to do a wine like this well. Mm. Uh, this is really cultured and compelling in its context. It's about 35 quid. Uh, but even at that price, I think it's a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah, um, I think we should t touch on value for money, shouldn't yeah, we? Because uh, yeah. historically, this has been one of Vontu's great advantages. You know, yeah. the excellent value for money of the wines. Yeah, as a general rule, you know, I'd say Vontu wines are a good value option you know you look at price lists for example in the region when i was there the Ventoux wines are regularly some of the cheapest options in the rhone and yet the quality is often better uh, than more vaunted names nearby you know mentioning no names in particular mm. so that's a really appealing but, uh, aspect but, to the but that's changing yeah I, I mean you know, no region can, can aim to invest and improve and stake a claim on the world stage on the back of just cheap wine um Mm. We've seen other other regions and countries suffer from this, so I think we're starting to see more ambitious pricing. Um, you know, we've got some some here, but I spoke to the team at Chen Bleu about this. It's one of the region's best known names at the top end of of pricing. It's a stunning estate, mm. um, and they said, you know, they had to be ambitious to establish their credentials, uh, but very much allied to huge amounts of work and investment at the same time. And, and does that does that work quality. in your view? 
Yeah, it, it does, actually. I mean, you know, we're always very sensitive to this as journalists and wine lovers. We never want wines to be too expensive. Mm. But, you know, these are serious wines. You know, so you taste the, the, the Chêne Bleu Abelard 2014. So, you know, the current vintage, it's almost a so decade old. that's the current old. vintage. It's the current vintage of that wine. Wow. Uh, and it's far from cheap. It's 74 euros at the cellar door. I think it's about 80 quid in the UK. But it, it's a stunning wine. You know, it, it's mature age-worthy, you know, savoury, complex red blend. It's Grenache and Syrah. It's leather, it's dried fruits, it's wild herbs with real vitality and length. And that's not easy to do. You know, there are famous French wines from not far away that are more expensive and less good. Let's put it that way. So, and that means you think, actually, yeah, we should take this seriously. So one last question. I know we've talked, as everybody knows, we've talked about truffles mm-hmm. uh, and food in yeah. in a general sense. But I think you've got some specific recommendations from producers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I did. I'd say just to end on a sort of fun note, I did ask the producers what their favourite local food and wine match was. Um, we heard Karine Emars at the beginning, a truffle with aged white clarette. Actually, she had the truffle in an omelette, just Ooh. to be clear. But that Ooh, sounds delightful, lovely. doesn't it? That's a breakfast option for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure we can beat that, really. But, uh, you know, truffles did get mentioned a lot. Although, interestingly, also with, with reds, young reds like, like Syrah. Mm. So there you go. But anyway, we also had... Local whites with Thai green curry, uh, Syrah with beetroot, and I did try that, it did work. Uh, Grenache with pigeon, those are all from James at Unang. Uh, white asparagus with Viognier, that mm. was Natalie and Andre at Tix. And caramelised lamb with Vontu Red, and that was David. Okay, so I think that's a good place to wrap things up. Um, <laughs> by way of summary, Vontu is a big wine appellation with a big mountain, which gives the wines freshness and intensity. Historically, Vontu was a land of simple, mass-produced wine. Now, a new breed of ambitious, open-minded, smaller producers, often from elsewhere, are revolutionising the wines, promoting sustainability and making this a region to discover. Cheers to that. Uh, Our thanks to AOC Ventoux and all the producers for their time and hospitality. Also to Sepexa Hopscotch for their support and Flint and Waitrose for filling our glasses so deliciously today. Uh, We'll put a full list of recommended wines and producers on our site. Also plenty of photos uh, and some other interesting things, including a brilliant map. So, So do check that out. Meantime, thanks to you for listening. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.